What's up, everyone? How's everyone doing tonight? You're good if you're here. You're good if you're here. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 10 again. Uh, we're going to finish up the, the uh, section from last week. And so if you can open up to Luke chapter 10, we're going to be there tonight. Um, I'm going to pray before we start. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for tonight. Thank you that we can gather and come and worship and praise you and, and really just forget about the day and forget about the week and kind of wind down and um, just kind of just sit at your feet, Lord. And, and I pray that for all of us tonight uh, that we would come to just have our hearts and our minds redirected, reoriented, and just focused back on you. Maybe we've been distracted or kind of set off course, Lord, and so I just pray you bring us back uh, wherever our spirits may be, Lord, and, um, and yeah, tonight, Lord, I just ask that you fill this place, really, you're already here, but let us be more aware of your presence and your grace within our lives, um, just to remember that you're doing something and you're working things out, Lord, for those who love you, all things, that all things are good, Lord, and you're working all things out, and so I thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you for every person in this building, every every person that made it out. Lord, I pray that you be with the people that haven't made it, Lord, and um, are still at home, Lord. I pray that you would be with them as well. And so and I just pray that you would speak to us through your word tonight. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What's up, beautiful people? <laughs> um, again, we'll be in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to finish uh, the rest of this section so we can continue moving at a steady pace. We're going to probably be in Luke 10 for a little while, but um, we did three verses last week. If you were here last week, can I get a, yeah, raise of hands, three, yeah, we did three verses. Uh, oh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the back for you guys to have and to take home. Um, yeah, so we did three verses last week, but if you weren't here last week, that's okay, uh, because what's going on really right now in this chapter is that Jesus began to send his disciples out. Uh, what he's doing in context, he sent his disciples out to every city and to every place and to every village. And what happened here is that they were given authority. They were given power by Jesus to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to preach really the good news of the gospel, of the kingdom. And it says that they were sent ahead of him. Pastor Jason always uses that uh, uh, saying to kind of prime the pump, right? So they were kind of sent ahead of Jesus to kind of prime the pump or prepare the way for his coming. They were like God's special agents. I like that. And really, it's this picture of a king and his ambassadors. And if you know anything about ambassadors, they were the officials of kings and governments of the highest rank. Like they were like the highest rank. They're like right under the king. See, wherever these guys were sent, ambassadors, people knew exactly who they were. Because no matter where they went, they only represented one kingdom, their kingdom, which is only governed by one king, their king. And so this is the kind of language that's being, here, uh, that's being used here in the text. As Jesus sends his people out on a special mission, they were not only sent with a message, but they were sent to represent the king and his kingdom. And this is the same for us today. We as God's people are his ambassadors. We've been entrusted with a message and we've been called to represent God in his kingdom. That's what, we, that's what we do. 
And as I said last week, this kingdom is wherever Jesus is ru- uh, ruling and reigning. You ever think about that? Like, where is the kingdom of God? Well, it's wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning. And I want to say this. If Jesus Christ is the king of our lives or the king of our hearts, then that means the king in this kingdom isn't too far from anyone, is it? You ever thought about why God has you working with a bunch of unbelievers who want nothing to do with Jesus? Like, you ever thought about that? Because through you, they just might see what Jesus is actually like instead of what they think he's like. And because wherever you are, you now live your lives in such a way, people are drawn towards the kingdom of God. They are drawn towards this better kingdom. You see, God doesn't make mistakes, and he puts you guys exactly where he wants you. And so if we could kind of look at ourselves this way or kind of look at ourselves through this lens, we could see rightly that our purpose, my purpose, your purpose in life is much bigger than just existing. Your purpose is much bigger than just putting up with people on a day-to-day basis or making lots of money. But our main purpose in life is that wherever God has us, we live and we speak in such a way that other other people might be drawn to the light you emit. Jesus said it, you and I were called to be like cities set on a hill, not villages in a valley. He said, you never put a lamp under a basket, but lamps belong where? On lampstands. That's where it's most effective. That's the only way it can bring light to whoever might be in that house. And so the whole point of all this is that God doesn't save us to just be spectators who sit on the bench. That's not why he saves us. But God saves us to send us out on the field because you and I were made to play. All of us. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor preaching on the pulpit or you're the sound guy. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you were made for this. You were built to represent God in his kingdom. Why? For the purpose of bringing other people in, which brought us into verse 2. Now, last week I talked about how throughout my life, and I said this, that Uh, People came in and out and in and out to talk to me about Jesus. And, you know, now I just want to say that that might not be your story. Maybe you've never had those people coming in and out of your lives to invite you to church or to a Bible study, to pray for you or to encourage you. But God has met you somehow in such a way that now brought you into a beautiful relationship with him. Like I've heard Muslims say that they've had dreams about Jesus. Some people have visions. But whatever the case may be, when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few, this week I thought about all the people I assume that have heard his name. And what I caught myself doing is comparing my experience growing up in the church to other people's experience. Some people never even went to church. (laughs) Or I'll assume that these people had good friends that came in and out of their lives to talk to them about Jesus, but there are people who go their whole lives without ever hearing about him. Ever. But whatever the case may be, whether it's a lack of courage or, or a lack of boldness, this statement that Jesus makes in verse 2 still holds true today. You see, when he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he's saying there are many people out there ready to receive my message, but not enough messengers to do it. You know, oftentimes it's a scary feeling to talk about your faith, I know. And even as a pastor, I still get the nerves. Like, what if they ask me this question? Or what if they ask me that? Gosh. But you know what? That's the point. If you never come across those harder conversations, kind of those tough spots or getting into those weird conversations, then how would you prepare yourself to handle it um, when it comes around the next time? 
And if we chose or if we choose to never talk about Jesus or even express our faith, then how will we come across those who might be willing to listen? Because what Jesus is saying in this verse is that people are willing to hear you out. People are willing to listen, but there aren't enough Christians willing to speak. And so he says, pray for more laborers. And what he's really saying is pray for us here in the church right now to have a boldness, to not be ashamed of what we believe in, never shying away but pressing in. Why? Because people are either going to be really drawn towards you or they're going to repel far, far away. And because of this, he says this in verse 3, Jesus gives us the warning. He says, I send you out as what? Sheep among wolves. It's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, guard your heart. Don't always expect a warm welcome for your good intentions. Although there will be people who might want to listen to the gospel, there are also people who won't. Oftentimes, good news isn't good news to those who aren't willing to hear it. He's saying, guard your heart and do not be discouraged because whether someone rejects you or not, it's still a success in God's kingdom. I said this last week because like farmers, you and I, call to wa- you and I are only called to water and plant. This comes from 1 Corinthians 3. Farmers are only responsible to put the seed on the ground and that's it. And then guess what they do? They water it. They put the seed in the ground and then they water it. They put the seed in the ground and then they water it. But whether that seed takes root or not, guess what? It's not up to the farmer. And this is the same for us today. You see, you and I can talk about Jesus. We can be about Jesus, but we cannot make anybody believe in Jesus. I cannot make you a Christian as much as a farmer can make a seed grow. That choice will be left to the person when the time comes. But our job, my job, your job is to continue watering and planting, continue watering and planting, continue watering and planting, and we can only wait in expectation that one day that seed will take root. You see, Jesus told about the parable of the sower. If anybody know the parable about the sower? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. And it's how the seed, the parable of the sower, Jesus explains to us that the seed represents the word of God and how the soil represents the condition of the heart. And yet, even if the soil isn't ready to receive those seeds, God still scatters. Why? Because one day that heart might be ready to receive God's invitation. And so it's not our job to pick and choose whether someone can hear the word or not or when they can or when they can't. We should always be investing. We should always be sowing. We should always be watering regardless of the response, regardless of the results. This is what we're called to do. And then we leave the rest up to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so if you look back at your Bibles, um, this is probably be a short message because I did this yes, last week. I'm just going to finish the rest. Uh, if you just look at your Bibles at verses 4 to 9, uh, Jesus begins to instruct his disciples. That's what he's doing. He begins to tell them, as my ambassadors or my representatives, I want you to bring only what I ask you to bring. And I want you to conduct yourselves the way I ask you to conduct yourself. And so the first thing he says to them starts in verse 4. What does he say? He says to them, carry no money belt. He says, carry no money belt, carry no bag, carry no shoes, and greet no one on the way. See, what is Jesus saying? First off, I just want us to see the plain meaning of this text. He's saying to his disciples, do not take more than what you actually need on this mission, on this journey that I'm sending you. In fact, you are going to go with the clothes on your back and the shoes on your feet, and you're going to have to trust me the rest of the way. You know, oftentimes being used by the Lord or being sent out by the Lord or serving in ministry, it can be really overwhelming. I remember the first time Austin forced my hand to play worship up here with the band. 
He didn't force me. But what I realized in myself and in that time or during that season that I had to do that, I realized in myself that no matter how much I prepared, how much I studied, how much I knew the songs, I was never truly ready. Listen to me. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Preparation can oftentimes be an excuse to never get going. I'm going to say this one more time. Preparation can oftentimes be an excuse to never get going. There is no amount of preparation or planning that can truly ready us for the call that God has on my life and on your life. And so this is my point. For those of us who are called into ministry, which is everyone, all of us, God is not waiting for you to be ready. God is waiting for you to go. He tells his disciples here to go with what they got and trust me with the rest. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be prepared. I'm not saying we shouldn't be ready. What I'm saying is that we can never be prepared enough. And so if God is calling you, trust him to understand that his calling has less to do with you and more to do with what he's going to do through you. God is not calling you because you finally feel ready, to, like you finally feel ready, that, uh, that you finally feel that you're ready to go. God is calling you because of the work that's going to get done by him working through you. Amen? And the second thing here is this. Jesus tells them, as you go out on the mission, a mission field, don't stop to greet um, anybody on the way. Now, that's funny. I don't know how Eastern traditions are. People talk about it. I read about it. And, and they talk about the greetings and how, how long and drawn out they are. You see, I have no idea. But what Jesus is saying, but what Jesus is, saying is not to be disrespectful to the, uh, disrespectful to the people who want to chat. You see, the point that Jesus is trying to make here is don't be distracted from the purpose of why I'm sending you. Jacob Elin said this in his book, don't let the day-to-day -day salutations slow you down from the important work at hand. You see, I just want to encourage us with this. Oftentimes, life can get busy, really busy. You know, it can be filled with things that might take our minds off of the main purpose of why we're here. And listen to me, if the enemy can't deceive you, I'm going to say this, he will distract you. If the enemy cannot deceive you, he will distract you. Jesus is saying, be careful of those who might come into your life and take your eyes off of the true mission, the only mission. Be careful not to be distracted with the things of this world, lest you forget the world you were sent out to represent. You ever thought to yourself, what is the purpose in my life? Why am I here? Why do I exist? This is why. You and I were called to serve right under the king. We have been made officials like the highest ranking within the kingdom. And so when we see ourselves this way as people who represent God and his kingdom, you can rest your identity there because this is who we truly are. And so wherever God has placed you, you are first an ambassador of Jesus Christ and then chicken in a barrel manager. I mean owner. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You are first an ambassador of Jesus Christ and then policeman. You are first of, uh, an ambassador of Jesus Christ and then carpenter, right? First of, ambassador of Jesus Christ and then all natural doctor. I don't know what you guys do. <laughs> but this is the highest calling in everyone's life. It is the highest calling that anybody can be called to do. And you've been called to do it. And I want to tell you that it's the most important one. And so what he's really telling his disciples is don't forget the call, don't forget the purpose, and don't forget the mission. He's saying be careful. Be careful to not get distracted by anything that might take you off course. And then he continues.
Are we good? And then he continues through verses four, uh, 5 through 9, and he says this. Whatever house you enter first, say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. And heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I love this part because Jesus doesn't just instruct his disciples on this uh, uh, quick uh, strike mis uh, mission. He doesn't just instruct his disciples on the message, but he also instructs them on their behavior. He says, if they are willing to receive you, he says, stay there. Don't move from place to place trying to find better accommodations. He's saying, eat what is set before you. And guess what? Be content with what you receive. You see, Jesus is making it a point that it's never been about what you get from serving him. If that's why you're in ministry, if that's why you're serving him, then I'm going to prepare you to be really disappointed. Because the whole point of all this, is, because the whole point of all that we do is what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, heal those in that house who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the message and this is the motive for all of us here. The motive, the message is to preach the gospel and hope that people might get saved. It's never been about anything else. It's never been about a paycheck. It's never been about a salary or any kind of worldly recognition. But the true reward in this life, I'll tell you the true reward, is a person who's willing to listen to you. Someone who is ready to receive the message of life, that's the reward. The motive should be about the souls that are being plundered from the strong man, like what Jesus was saying, not what we can get from serving God. That's why we do it. This is why Paul can say, I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm preaching the gospel up in prison. And I'm not talking about like three days, three days, uh, three meals a day kind of prison and some yard time. I'm talking about you get to eat when someone brings you something to eat kind of prison. And yet, he's preaching the gospel with joy and excitement. Why? Because it's never been about worldly gain, but always been about eternal wealth. It's never been about earthly benefits, but recruiting more ambassadors for the kingdom. Amen? And so we're going to finish this with verses 10 through 16. says this, But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your city which clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. And yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you not be exalted to heaven, will you? Oh, and you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will, be br you will be brought down to Hades. Verse 16. The one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. What we see here is the instructions for those who reject the gospel. There are people who are going to accept it. And there are going to be people in this world that are going to reject it. Jesus simply tells them to move on. And he reminds them in verse 16 that those who reject you don't reject you but they reject me. And those who reject me reject the one who sent me. We have to be reminded as we go out that this message isn't our message, it's God's message. 
And if people have a problem with it, they don't have a problem with you, but the one who sent you. Oftentimes, I ask my wife, was that a little too harsh? Every time I give a sermon, like, was that a little too crazy? <laughs> That's why I'm trying to calm down right now. Like, <laughs> was that a little too harsh? Was that, was that a little too crazy? Did I come off a little too strong? And she will tell me it wasn't harsh enough. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't say that. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> she doesn't ever say that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but if you haven't noticed by now, the word of God is full of things that cut, it, cut us in the right way, not in the wrong way. It's full, of, it's full of chapters and things. I mean, some things are good and some things are easy because we're, we, we've been working on it or we're, we're really good at it already. But some things, man, just come at you and cut you, but they cut you in the right way. Oftentimes, it shows us where we need to grow. That's what the word of God does. It shows us what, would I, what I need to let go. And it also shows us what we need to start doing. And you know, this is the truth. It's because God loves us and he's not willing for any of us to stay the same. It's because God loves us. And it's the same for us in salvation. For us to be saved. He's not willing that anyone should perish but have everlasting life. And this is how it began. It all began by Jesus Christ being sent to us by the Father. And he left everything behind and he wasted no time to get to you and to me. He came to each and every one of us with the gospel of peace to forgive us of our sins so that we can now be friends with the king. He did it knowingly that he had no, we had nothing to offer him for the gift he offered us. And now we are all called to do the same here. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So let us now enter into the Lord's harvest together. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son. We thank you for what he's done on the cross for us, for the forgiveness of sin. And if we just put our faith in you, Lord, our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. But it doesn't end there, Lord God. You call us in to now send us back out into the broken world from where we've come from so that we may water and plant seeds, Lord God. So that we may pray for people and talk about you and do all that we can to draw people into your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us a boldness this week. Put it on our hearts to maybe go up to somebody and talk to somebody, Lord God, to maybe just invite them to church, invite them on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, Lord. And give us this boldness, Lord God, and, and, and give, us the, give us the courage to do this thing, and, and, and we let you handle the rest. But help us, God, just to do our part. And we thank you for coming for us, Lord God, and um, we thank you for showing your grace and your mercy towards us in our lives. We, we thank you, Lord God, that the priority has always been to save us, and, and then now that you've saved us, you want to send us out. And so help us to see that as the main priority of our lives, the reason of why we're here, to be ambassadors for you and your kingdom. So help us to represent you rightly. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.